Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Check your bank account. That's the one thing that I would recommend you do is check your bank account. And it's really scary when I, there was year, there was, yeah, years ago, I would just ignore my bank account because I knew that whatever I saw there was just not going to be enough. But you have to take ownership of what you have. Awesome. All right, guys, welcome back to uh, Growth Minds. We are joined by Asia Dang from LA. Thanks so much for joining us. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I, as I, we were just briefly talking off air about the way I first found out about you is you've had articles posted all around from Huffington Post to I think uh, now this, all these different places talking about the fact that you paid off $200,000 in debt uh, at, at quite an early age. Seems like you're almost shocked by that when I said that. You, your eyes kind of like lit up. I was like, yeah, did I do that? Yeah, it seems pretty impossible. Actually, those um, articles were posted before I paid off my debt. So it was kind of just me sharing that I had $200,000 of debt. So I think someone actually verbally saying that out loud online shocked people. So that's how I had a lot of (laughs) press talking about me. I think that was probably like a year or two ago, because I think people are just shocked that you know, someone's talking about debt and sharing personal experience. But yes, currently I am debt free. So yeah, it is a shocker when when people talk about it. But it's the reality of, you know, millions of students today and people that yeah. have recently graduated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, totally. But so give us a timeline on that. So you, when this article came out, I don't know exact dates, you still had quite a lot of debt, it seems. Uh, how much debt did you have when all of this press started coming towards you? So I started my debt-free journey in December of 2017. That was like the first month where I was like, okay, it's time to conquer this. And then 2018 was kind of when the press was happening, I think. So I think by the time it was very, very much early on in my journey. So I probably had at least $100,000 left, like at least. And then I paid it off um, November 2019. So that's kind of the shortened timeline of of all of that. But yeah, lots of ups and downs throughout the two years of that happening. No kidding. Yes, it makes sense that you're still surprised when someone says it verbally out loud to you. Yeah, I definitely have like lingering feelings about being very, very broke. So I'm still very, it's been a couple months. Um, and I have a fully funded emergency fund. So I'm like in a very secure financial place right now, but I still have like worries every day. It's just something that doesn't go away as quickly as you hope. Just worrying about being in debt all the time. Yeah. Well, everyone seems to have a different definition of like what an emergency fund is for you or for people that follow you. Do you give any advice to figure out what that is? 
Yeah, I mean, um, I guess the rule of thumb is like three to six months, right? But for me, as an independent contractor who doesn't know when they're going to get paid or doesn't know when they're going to work, I always kind of err on the side of caution. So I'm actually closer to the six-month mark. But I have followers that have emergency funds of 12 months. So for me, I just recommend at least three months. But I ultimately tell them, like, do whatever you're most comfortable with um, mm-hmm. because that, that amount varies from person to person. Yeah, and that's that's like the amount of money you just don't touch ever. Even You don't even invest it. Or do you just hold mm-hmm. it in cash accounts? Yeah, I just hold it in... Um, it used to be a high yield, high yielding savings account. Now it's not really that high. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> the good old days. But um, yeah, it's just going to stay there just in case. Um, it's in a totally different bank than I normally use. So it's actually kind of the card is hidden away where it's not easily accessible. And Smart. it'll only be used for, you know, emergencies. No investing is going to go into it. It's just strictly there uh, to gain like a dollar a year at this point. But yeah. Gotcha. You're not worried about like inflation. You just want to make sure it's completely liquid so that just in any case you have that info. Yeah, you have the money. Yeah, I mean, I can always add to it, obviously, but I feel like now that I'm in this space, um, where it is now, the emergency fund is is probably where it will stay for a couple of years. Cool, cool. Yeah. So walk me through the kind of this journey or motivation that you had about wanting to pay off this quick, because through the researches I was doing, because uh, I went to university in Canada, listen, like tuition is high here, but it's nowhere compared to the US. It's just a different <laughs> yeah. world. And yeah. I had to actually do research and I'm very privileged that way. Every Canadian is or every European that doesn't have to pay a lot for money uh, for college mm-hmm. tuition. But I was trying to research about you know, how difficult it is and how much it actually is. And one of the articles that I saw was mentioning that Obama finished paying off his debt at the age of 44. Oh, my God. Something I beat Obama at. <laughs> How crazy is that? Yeah. Barack Obama and I graduated from the same high school, Punahou School in Honolulu, Hawaii. So that's a little fun fact. Oh, wow. Interesting. So you're like, yeah. you guys are on the same track record right now. I mean, basically, I may become the first female president. You don't know. I'm just following the steps at this point. <laughs> well, and Andrew Yang couldn't pull it off this time around. So oh, I know. God, I you'll, love You'll him. be the first Asian and first uh, first woman. So Just knocking down just stereotypes. Down. I got it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, talk to me a bit about that, that motivation for you to do it so quickly. Because, as I mentioned, there's a lot of people that are as successful as Obama that decide to wait? Mm-hmm. I think for me, I mean, I always just, I, I always felt broke. You know, I never really made enough money to live. And then uh, two years ago, one of my dogs, I have two dogs, one of them had to get emergency surgery and I couldn't afford it. So at that point, I was in the space of having to take out more debt or euthanizing him because I couldn't afford it. And fortunately, my boyfriend was able to pay for it. So we didn't have to worry about dealing with any of those situations. And at that point, I was like, you know, how old I, I was, how old I was like 30. And I was like, I'm 30 years old. And I should not be put in this type of situation again. And that was kind of like, 
how it all started. Because at that point, it's a life or death situation. And that was kind of really all I needed to get my butt into check and go full force into paying off my debt. And at that time, I was not making the type of money I'm making now. So I originally thought it would actually take me five years to pay off my debt. And for some reason or another, I decided to share that I was in all this debt in one of my vlogs. Um, I am a content creator. I have a YouTube channel. And every Christmas, every December, there's a thing on YouTube called Vlogmas where people vlog every day and upload every day. And that day, I had to dog sit to make more money just to pay rent. So I decided to vlog it. And that's kind of where I revealed how much debt I was in. And that really resonated with people because, you know, who who talks about debt and is so honest about how much debt they're in, right? And from there, people kind of wanted to hear more about it. And they were very encouraging. So that's kind of when I started doing monthly budget videos where I would just show how much I made with real numbers that month and how much I paid towards debt. And because of those videos, my following increased, I was able to make more money. And eventually, I was able to pay off my debt in two years because of kind of the community I ended up building, which was once kind of like a beauty lifestyle channel, but it's now more heavily geared towards finance. So that's kind of how it all happened. Yeah, that's quite a transition. Uh, I imagine being having all that info publicly and having people follow you on a daily basis since you were daily blogging must have put a lot of pressure on you. Probably, probably motivated you in a lot of ways. There's a social pressure, right, to, to take action. Yeah, you know, I didn't. I felt the pressure just not to disappoint the community that I was in. So I feel like if I actually didn't vlog my entire experience over the past two years, I may not have paid it off as quickly as I did. But I don't know. I mean, this is your first time meeting me. And I'm very like a, a very casual, nonchalant person about things. So sharing that wasn't necessarily that big of a deal to me. What was more of a bigger deal was just being a good like just showing people that they can do it, you know, just being that motivation that a lot of people don't have in their lives because no one talks about it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone, it certainly set you apart, it seems, by revealing, because you reveal like everything in your budgeting, <laughs> it's like, yeah. like every single detail. It's like people know you better than some, you know, people that yeah, are, know. Uh, you know, your friends, I imagine. Yeah, um, I mean, I decided to share my like income, like my real numbers. Originally, because at that point, I was making the same, if not maybe less than the majority of people following me. So, you know, if I can do it on less money, then you can do it too. But eventually, I started making significantly more money that it was important to continue that. So people had a realistic expert expectation about their journey. Like me yeah. throwing $30,000 towards debt in one month is obviously not realistic. So I needed to show them how much I made that month in order to show them how I was able to do that, just so they're not like comparing what I'm making and what I'm throwing to their journey, because that would obviously get very frustrating. So, yeah, that didn't happen every month. I just want to say that. But for those months in particular, it was important for people to notice 
like how much I made and then how much I paid off. And then that way they can kind of percentage wise figure out, well, Asia did like 40% of her income this month. Maybe I should do, you know, something like that. Sure. Sure. Uh, to give people some context, and I would only ask since you're comfortable and, and you've done these before, what mm-hmm. was the amount of money you were making as you started this journey, as you mentioned, similar to the followers that you had? And mm-hmm. how did that progress for you as you paid off your debt? Well, I think possibly the first month, I would have to go through my videos, but I think the first month that I actually did a budget video, I may have only made $3,000 that month. Uh, which is obviously still a lot of money, but you know, at in 2019, I was averaging 20 to 15 thousand dollars a month. So my income significantly grew throughout that process. That's crazy. Also, um, yeah, even for you mentally, <laughs> that that must have been. So you was were you ever making a lot more money than three thousand dollars at one point in your life? And because you oh no, like a, I was making less. I was broke basically for my entire life. There was, I think, um, probably five, five or six years ago, I was making $20,000 a year. So there was never a moment that I was making more than $3,000 a month ever until now. That's insane. Wow. So I mean, for you mentally that shifting that process, uh, that must've been, that must have been quite the journey as well, because it probably happened quite fast. And you're also getting a lot of press now. Imagine your audience grew. Mm-hmm. And, and on top of that, you, you've got uh, much more money coming in. Mm-hmm. And, and then because of that, you just continue to talk about it. Is there a certain point where you feel you've switched that mentality from like that broke mentality of like, oh, I'm, I'm always feeling broke to more of like an abundance mentality? <laughs> I... I... <laughs> wish I wish I not not yet even like currently I'm still slightly worried about not having enough money and I think that's just something that happens when you're in so much debt like I was in two hundred thousand dollars of debt I never thought that I would be debt free I always thought that I would have a debt payment so I'm still trying to get out of that mentality Um, I mean, and that, that's just going to take a while. I I have to adjust kind of my relationship with money to abundance, like, and to see money as a positive thing versus like a very negative thing. But that's something that just needs to be worked through. That doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. I mean, but how, um, so you're saying it's really just, it's just a mental thing, right? Because from like a purely numbers perspective, you've just paid off all your debts. Mm -hmm. You have seems like almost 10 times the income on average, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe a little, maybe on average. Yeah. Uh, so you, you don't have any interest that's incurring. You paid off all your debts. Did your lifestyle change? Is that why? And you, you feel like, okay. No, my lifestyle didn't change at all. I mean, kind of, you know, as I made more money, I moved apartments to more like more expensive apartments, but my lifestyle outside of that didn't really change. I was still dumping more money into my debt than I was living off of. So I never really felt that abundance. And even now I have, you know, I'm debt free. I have my fully funded emergency fund. My money is now going towards investings and putting money away for a down payment. So 
even though I'm allowing myself, I went on a shopping spree. I bought like four things last month. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm making big moves. It's still most of my money is still going towards financial security. Gotcha. Which is for mm-hmm. you buying a house, saving for other things you may maybe a project you want to do. Mm-hmm, okay. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Retirement. Um, Retirement. How old are you? I'm 33. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but now I have the money and the funds to start a retirement fund. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. Well, I commend you for going out to the public and talking about it because money is such a taboo topic. I mean, I come from pretty conservative Korean family and I dropped out of university. You were t- I think I think we we're talking off air about me living in Mexico parts of the time. And mm-hmm. it was a very difficult decision just because, you know, it's almost like a crime to drop out and not have your degree as an Asian. And talking about money is like a different subject. You know, it's just like, you don't, you don't really bring up the subject of money. It's kind of like this forbidden yeah. topic along with like yeah. sex, religion, politics. Um, but you went out there and you just revealed that all is your family background. Were you raised more of like in the Western mindset? I mean, I think, you know, being born and raised in Hawaii, it's very much different, like a very different lifestyle, even in the Asian community, everyone's a little bit more relaxed. Uh, But no, we never talked about money. I actually just did a video about this. Uh, Growing up, we never talked about money. I didn't necessarily know how much my parents made. Um, Even though they gave me everything that I could have ever asked for, I knew that we were not rich. Um, But I did know education was important. Like they made, my parents made sure to put me in the best school in Hawaii. And that then translated into, okay, well now, since I went to a private school for kindergarten through 12, it's time to go to a private school for college. So that was kind of just like the automatic mindset of myself and my family. And we didn't really fully understand what it meant to take out student loans, which I think is the issue that everyone is dealing with. And um, it was always the conversation of, yeah, no worries. You can just take out a loan and pay it back later. And then, you know, $200,000 later and almost 10 yeah. years later, here we are. So, yeah, I mean, we definitely didn't talk about money. We knew that um, you had to work hard for money and hard just in general. But um, the idea of student loans being a burden was never something that was discussed ever. I don't think it was even something my parents understood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, college loans seems like seems like one of the biggest scams out there just because yeah. it feels like free money when you're getting it. And obviously, mm-hmm. your friends are going out to college, so you, you, you know you want to go. But unlike bankruptcy at a company, if you were to go bankrupt personally, you would still owe that college debt. So it's like a cycle that you can't really escape ever. Yeah. And you don't read the fine line and you just sign your name away and think, yeah, I'll totally pay it off. Like it's that yeah. easy. And then you graduate and you can't get a job or you don't get a, 
I was in San Francisco, I wasn't getting a good enough paying job to even live there. So it was just like, it's just like this ongoing cycle of lies, <laughs> what no one tells you about student loan debt. <laughs> oh, man. I saw an article that came out uh, about a year ago in this app where if you make, I think it's like $90,000, you can apply for poverty line or something like that. It's crazy. It is so crazy. I was lucky enough to be in um, a rent control department in San Francisco, like in the city. It was beautiful, but... Now I'm sure he's renting out my room for like $5,000. It is ridiculous there. So crazy. Yeah. So crazy. Wow. I mean, LA is not too much better, I guess. But no, LA is not better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, LA is one of those weird things also is uh, everyone likes to show off. I mean, I love LA. I, I, I live there parts of the time, but it, it is one of those places, especially for the entertainment industry, you're, you, you kind of need to keep up in terms of the latest car, how big your house is, newest equipment. Uh, do you feel pressure at all as a content creator to, I guess, maintain your expenses knowing that there's people around you that are constantly trying to upgrade their lifestyles? Absolutely not. Because I know that, I mean, for me, that, that stuff has never been important to me. Like, I still drive a 2013 paid off in full Fiat, you know? So appearance to me does not matter. And in fact, I don't even go to industry events anymore. It's just like I cannot be bothered being around people that value values over kind of like personal experience. So or valuables, I should say. Um, So, no, I just I don't have any pressure. And I think that's kind of what kept me in L.A. so long and like pretty much the same person I've been, you know, throughout the 10 years I've been here is because that stuff just doesn't attract me. Like I don't buy designer stuff. I don't drive a fancy car. I don't buy clothes. I don't buy makeup. Like I just would rather eat. I'd rather spend my money on food to be honest, but um, yeah, I, I feel zero pressure, zero pressure. That's great. Yeah. I mean, people say money, having more money, as you know, it seems like as you increase your income can change who you are, but I I would rather think that it highlights more of who you are, kind of exposes more of who you are mm-hmm. at a different level. And it sounds Absolutely. like it hasn't really changed you just given your background with Hawaii and living more like a minimalist, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, I mean, now um, I'll go to fancier restaurants or like I said, maybe I'll buy a shirt. <laughs> But most of my money will go towards investing or like donation now. So I just pretty much stay, has stayed the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I know you mentioned your boyfriend as well. It's a uncomfortable topic uh, for most people. Did you guys say you're, you're not married, right? No, we're not. Okay. Um, Because I know for relationships, particularly when it comes to, marriage it's like a it is kind of like an uncomfortable topic for people Mm -hmm. to bring up when they first get you know get to that next level of their relationship do you Mm -hmm. have any tips for people that are in relationships to talk more comfortably about money as they get deeper into the relationships I mean I don't know if it's necessarily a tip but you have to talk about money while you're in relationships. I mean, I think I've heard that 
money-related issues is the leading cause of divorce. So, you know, I think for us, we were together, like we've been together for seven years. So he was the one for a very long time who made the money. And um, now we're kind of at an equal space right now, but he's starting to learn because of what I've been doing. I don't necessarily talk about debt or budgeting or anything in my regular life outside of YouTube. But when he sees me, you know, getting my planner and, and budgeting out my, my month or sitting him down and saying, okay, you know, we want to buy a joint car together next year. How much do we need? And what does that mean? We have to save every month. I think now he's really starting to understand the importance of it. And it's just kind of showing by doing is what needs to happen because money is incredibly uncomfortable to talk about but in order to have a successful relationship you need to be completely honest in all aspects of your life including financials yeah yeah and especially if you've been with the same person for that long and it's only recently that you've started to earn more money uh, i imagine it may change the dynamicism of the of the relationship a little bit because as you mentioned your boyfriend was used to I guess making more money and then now it seems more evened mm -hmm. out um mm -hmm. how has that shifted at all you know I think actually the change has been more on my side because when I was very tight on money and very worried about money I would kind of get mad at him like you know we went I paid for the groceries yesterday and today like you didn't even offer to pay it whereas now I'm just more relaxed and we don't really necessarily have the tally marks of who paid for what you know what I'm saying I remember those days yeah <laughs> yeah so we don't have those so it, it makes it for a much um happier relationship gotcha gotcha yeah so, so you are trying to get into more of that abundance note as, as you guys Continue to to develop. I trying. Guess. I mean, it's easier for me. I think, yeah, um, trying to get there, but it's just easier for me to kind of be abundant in my family, but just not myself yet, personally. But one day, you'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so budgeting is a big thing that I wanted to talk about because you publicly shared a spreadsheet that has all of your info including <laughs> income expenses mm -hmm. I feel like you're starting to regret it based on that face <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of info i mean i don't want to get into the specifics and if you're comfortable we can link the spreadsheet for more people to see it only if mm -hmm. you're comfortable with it but um for people that are starting to budget uh, you know, I have a lot of friends that don't even budget at all. And partly it's because they make enough money, they don't have to worry about it. But other people, it's just they don't know how. Um, I'd be curious to know how you think about, particularly like the big spenders, the, the things that would probably take up a lot of the expenses for most people, which is probably like rent or food. Uh, do you have a specific ratio that you use based on your income? that has been helped for you and for other people? So for rent, I kind of go off of, it should be no more than 25% of your income. My rent currently, depending on the month, is between like 11% and 14% of my income. 
Um, I, you know, I, it's hard because I try to be very understanding of people when they say like, how much I should, how much should I put aside for rent? How much should I put, should I put aside for savings or put aside for food? It's like, what are you comfortable with? Like when you look at what you make every month and your expenses, what can you see that can be cut? And for a lot of people, it's food. That's the easiest thing that you can cut because it happens every day, every month. A lot of people, it's cars. They spend way too much money on car car leases. Um, but for some people, they would rather spend more money on rent and less money on food. Or they'd rather spend more money on food and less money on rent. It's just like, what are you? what is important to you in your life that you would rather spend more money on? And then from there, figure out what kind of adjustments you can make throughout your budget in order to make sure that everything lines up all together. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I mean, it does for me. I hope it does for other people. Yeah. Um, it's just for me, I like, you can get really stressed out when it comes to your budget and that will in itself scare people away from continuing to do it. So I try to be a little bit more flexible about what people view important versus what I view important. So that would be my recommendation. Just figure out what you would choose to spend your money on and then just adjust the rest of your budget accordingly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, as I started to do it maybe two or three years ago, it was helpful just to, like the hardest part I feel is just setting up a template but after mm -hmm. a while, it gets kind of fun because a lot of the times it allows you to beat the goals that you had in the previous months. Sometimes you don't win, right? But you kind of gamify it in your own mind to help motivate yourself as you keep budgeting. Um, yeah. Do you have a specific, because you talked about adjustment, do you have a um, recommendation of how often people should be adjusting it? Or is it really based on a personal basis of how their expenses are? Because I know you mentioned freelancers especially have very volatile incomes uh, because they'll be really high one day, it'll be really low one day. How should they be looking at that if they're in that position? Yeah, I would say whatever you're comfortable with. I mean, for freelancers to build your budget, you need to look at kind of the last couple months or the last year of your income and then find the months where the income was the lowest and budget around that number because that way if things are really bad at least you know you can pay for your essentials versus you know maybe you'll have more more better months but you need to focus your budget around that really around that one low month just so you can protect yourself so that that for sure is a rule for um independent contractors but for me it's you know i Every time I spend something, I write it down in my planner. I'm like a handwritten visual kind of person. So I write it down in my planner versus an app. And then even just the act of writing it down in my planner, I'm like, okay, I spent a lot of money on food. I don't even have to do the calculations, but the amount of written I have in my food budget is a lot. So maybe it's time to like slow down or, you know, I spent a lot of on equipment last month. So this month, 
I don't necessarily have to spend any money on equipment. So it's just kind of, you know, I've been doing it for two years, so I can kind of tell when I can give and when I can take a little bit. But I would say, you know, if you're new to budgeting, you know, take take a couple months, try your best, and then re like regroup and see where you did good, where you did bad, why you think you did bad in certain categories, and then, you know, just figure out how to do better moving along. Um, just people put so much pressure on budgeting and it just is like, it, it already is a scary thing. Yeah. Um, so just, just figure out how to make it work for yourself while like staying within your means, which is the reason we budget, right? So that's the most important part is to just stay within your means. So if you need to adjust here and there, um, then go ahead and do that. It's fine. Cool, cool. And it is a lot of pressure for a lot of people. Uh, It can be very stressful. Uh, I find apps to be really helpful. Like I've used Acorns, which is an app that kind of rounds up your whatever you spend and just kind of automates a lot of the process, which is a huge Mm -hmm. thing as as you Mm -hmm. go along. Has there any been, has there any been, um, apps that have been really helpful for you just to automate things or to make things easier? So I personally don't like uh, the roundup automations. It just made me very nervous. So I would just Mm. personally move things manually myself. But yeah, I used a lot of apps throughout this entire journey. Um, Capital is one that I used um, in 2019 to kind of put aside money for sinking funds to like gift myself. That's the thing that I figured out throughout paying off my debt is it's exhausting. It is like emotionally and physically exhausting to pay off debt. Um, So I found it helpful to kind of put aside money to treat myself to things, whether it's, you know, something like a really fancy dinner or like a treatment, like a spa treatment. Those are things that I would put aside in my capital account for that. Um, currently I am using, um, empower. That's actually where my, um, savings fund is as well as kind of sinking funds for bills. So, um, what does that do again? The what sinking fund? No, the, uh, the, the, is it empire you said? Uh, empower. So like empowering, um, empower is where it's a checking and savings account, but it also has a a budgeting feature in it. And, um, my, that is where my emergency savings fund is and in the savings account. And then in the checking account is where I put my sinking funds for bills. So things that occur once a year that I have to pay off. Um, and then since all of my accounts are connected into empower, um, they kind of give me alerts as to where when I'm dangerously close to going over my budget. So those are the kind of apps that I prefer, apps that kind of automatically take money out of my account. Um, I don't like. I would prefer to just do that manually myself. Yeah, you want you want more control over whatever is going in and out of your bank account. Basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. And you said capital. Uh, I'm trying to f- find the app. Actually, is it it's capital? Q A P I T A L. Q. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, cool. yeah. We'll definitely link those out. 
Um, yeah, I guess we, yeah, for me, I just love the automation process uh, and maybe this app would also help. I use a app called Wealthfront, similar one in called uh, Wealth Simple in Canada for Canadian listeners, but it's a app that you can just kind of automatically put money into a robo advisor uh, investing where they put mm-hmm. it into different vanguards, SMPs, mm-hmm. and it just automates that process for you and you don't have to really think about it. And it's hard to say if it will outperform other stocks that you might be investing in, but the automation process is key for people that just don't want to deal with that process. Um, Absolutely. I mean, whatever works to get you saving and to get you investing is what you should do for sure. There's no right, right or wrong way to save money. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, and same with investing as well. I'm not sure yeah. how, uh, if you've talked about investing in your videos or how comfortable you are, but I'd love to know kind of that mindset. Cause I know you said now that you've paid off debt, you are, I imagine taking more time to figure out your investments, uh, which a lot of people are certainly interested in. Do you have a specific strategy now that you've iterated on that makes sense for you personally, that, uh, you'd be comfortable sharing? So my investment strategy is to give all my money to my financial advisor and to have him do it. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> I like yeah, it. I, I mean, um, definitely people have asked me to do videos on investing. It's just something that I am not, not, not as knowledgeable in as I would like to be. So um, most, actually everything all of my investing goes to my financial advisor who I trust and I have known since high school and I know he's going to do right by me. But eventually, like I just downloaded some books on Audible to start learning more about investing. Um, and then eventually I would like to maybe test out the waters and maybe throw a thousand dollars in somewhere and kind of um, do it myself. But I'm just not in that place right now to talk about it on YouTube. I just, I'm honestly too exhausted to start learning about it, but um, (laughs) that is a goal of mine is to become more educated about investing and retirement and all this stuff because all the information I have is just learned from people who I trust and who are professionals in their, you know, fields. Um, But I do need to know more about it because it is my money and I should know where it's going and why it's going there and stuff like that. Yeah. Just because it's based on the, the things that you mentioned about having alerts and, and making sure that there's not a lot of automation. It's uh, I would imagine eventually you'd want to figure out a way to control your own investments as well as you start to learn more about that process. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, for me, investing is scarier than paying off debt because paying off debt is very like one track minded. There is this big number at the end of the tunnel and you know that you have to get that number to zero. So I didn't have to do that much research to figure out, okay, I need to put as much money as possible into this debt. But investing, there's so much that can happen. There's so much that can go wrong that it might take me a little while to figure figure it out on that front. And sure. um, until then, I would like for someone who is knowledgeable and has years of experience to take care of my money for now. And then, right. yes, eventually, hopefully, I'll be knowledgeable enough to do it myself one day. 
Cool, cool. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And it sounds like it's a high school friend that you trust as well. So mm-hmm. that's not uh, completely just throwing it in, automating that process. Right, right, right. Um, so last topic I want to dig into is side hustles because mm-hmm. I think there is a lot of time that people could be using, especially now, to mm-hmm. start their own thing and to kind of escape this rat race, which a lot of people are in that are listening. And this is something that you've done, particularly as you went from making $3,000 a month to, you know, a lot more now and having this uh, financial freedom in some ways, I guess you could say. What are some of the things that you've learned as you've built out your side hustle? And uh, I'm assuming you had a full-time job initially, right? YouTube, <laughs> which yeah. I would hardly call a full-time job at the time, but yeah. <laughs> oh, so wait, so you, when you graduated from high school, uh, from college, you went straight to YouTube? So I guess we should talk about this. I have my <laughs> bachelor's um, in marketing from University of San Francisco, and I have my um, master's in pro- broadcast journalism, journalism from USC, which is what brought me to L.A., after I graduated from USC, I was actually in um, sports uh, television. So I had my own sports show with Maxim Magazine um, oh. when it was in its heyday back in the day called Maxim Sports One-on-One, where I would interview athletes and they would teach me how to play their position. So I played basketball with Shaq. Um, I boxed with Floyd Mayweather. I drove cars with Danica Patrick, all that cool stuff. Um, and then from there, I started working with uh, Fox Sports, and I did not like that. Did not like being in network mm. at all. You know, as a when your goal is to be a television host, you think network is the end all be all. Like you want to be on television, but I had so much freedom with Maxim because it was online. It was on their website, and we had a small crew, and we were in charge of everything that went. We then graduated to network television where everything had to be approved from what you're wearing to what you're saying to who you're interviewing. It felt very suffocating. So in my time with Maxim, I had opened up my YouTube channel, which was very much heavily geared towards men. So I've had a couple of transitions in YouTube throughout my life. It was very geared towards men, sex, relationships, because that was my following at the time. And then with Fox Sports, as I was feeling suffocated, I found um, comfort in YouTube again because I, no one had to tell me what I could or could not do. I had full control over the content I put out there. So once I left Fox Sports, then I kind of did the YouTube thing for, I would say, probably about like a year and then a year or two and then the second year or third year, that's when I started making good money. So didn't start off in YouTube right out of the gate, but the journey taught me that what I value is doing what I want. <laughs> no kidding. Not no having kidding. people tell me what to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a jump from talking with, talking about sex and relationships. And I guess you went around travel and mm-hmm. makeup a little bit as well, like beauty stuff, which is female, heavily mm-hmm. female, mm-hmm. uh, to now money. Um, mm-hmm. That's crazy. Wow. That's quite the shift. Yeah, it's very interesting. It was male-oriented, male and then it was Fox Sports. And then after Fox Sports, it was 
beauty and makeup and fashion and travel. And then now it's money. And I think the cool thing is, is that a lot of the men who followed me years ago kind of brought their um, girlfriends involved into my channel. So now their girlfriends are the ones that are watching my makeup or my skincare or my fashion videos. And now that I have my money financial videos, now it's something that they can both watch together. So mm. it's definitely been a journey, but it's something that everyone can be a part of at some point or another, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it seems authentic because all the things that you're talking about, whether it's for, for, for women or for men, it, at the end of the day, it's still something you go through. It's something that you think about. It's something that can be relatable to, to most people. I, I haven't mm -hmm. seen the sex and relationship content, so I'm not 100% sure, but it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a general enough topic, I imagine. It was yeah. a very interesting time in my life. Yeah, you can definitely see <laughs> where I was at <laughs> emotionally throughout my YouTube channel. So <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome you still keep it out there. That's great. Yeah, well, you know, it's just part of, part of my story. Sure, sure. Um, well, for, for people that are looking to, because I think most people are doing their full-time jobs and they're trying to start a side hustle, um, what are some of the lessons that you've learned that helped you transition faster uh, into becoming more full-time, but also a full-time paid professional? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the, the trick about side hustles is that you think more is more like the more side hustles I do the more money I make but what mm. I learned when I had like five side hustles just to pay the bills is that more is not necessarily more more is exhausting um, and you'll want to kind of at first test out what side hustles that you enjoy doing um, and then see how much you make off of the side hustles because for me, I have two dogs, so I'm very much a dog person. So one of my side hustles was dog sitting and dog walking. And I really enjoyed it because I loved being around animals, but I was not making enough money for it to be worth the amount of time I was spending doing these things. And it took me a couple months to finally realize that. And then I had to just stop doing it because that was just taking time away from me that I could be doing editing a video or recording a video or, you know, taking a lunch meeting or something like that, that actually makes me money. So I was a dog walker. I did task rabbit, which was actually pretty cool. I did that a couple of years ago. Um, I recently did postmates for a video. I did postmates for a day. Um, yeah. And you could actually make really good money doing stuff like that as well. So it's just kind of figuring out what things that you're attracted to and if that will in turn give you enough money for you worth the time that you would be spending doing that. Yeah. 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 Those are great thoughts. I, I have people ask me about how I also transitioned from, cause I was mostly like consulting and then got into starting uh, this company. And someone once told me about like an equation almost, which is, uh, wealth equals a specialized skill plus ownership in what you're doing plus scalability. And I think for most people, it seems like starting out with some sort of a specialized skill, something that you're really, 
great at. It could just be like a really great communicator. It could be you're good at marketing, a uh, great dog walker, I'm not sure. And, the, and you need some sort of ownership because you want to have the upside in the company that you're starting or service that you're starting. But it also has to be scalable, meaning you can't be trading time for money in mm-hmm. those cases. So in your case, you decided to go into YouTube just because you're a great communicator it seems like you have this great relatability for, for a lot of people and you also own that content and it's extremely scalable. Um, so I think like when choosing a side project, I think it is, seems like it's just as important as making time for a side also. And, and I think that's one factor that people can think about is like, is it, is it something that you can scale in five years uh, as you did with your YouTube channel? Absolutely. That's something that I did a video about side hustles. And that's something that I um, talked about is this side hustle could possibly turn into something more. Um, So just kind of go into that with the mindset that I I keep on talking about dog walking, but it's just something someone in my comment section mentioned that that she started dog walking as a side hustle, but now it's her full time job. And she makes Mm. a ton of money doing it. Because she was able to figure out how to make it work with her schedule. I was not able to do that. But yeah, totally. You want to be able to scale it um, to take advantage of your skill or your passion and um, make as much money as you can doing it. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I think that's a great place to uh, end off, Asia. I usually leave the interview by asking our guests to share a small uh, but actionable piece of advice for people that are listening, whether they're trying to pay off debt, whether they're trying to get their hot side hustle going, uh, whether they're trying to shift their mindset from that broke mentality to abundance mentality, which uh, I think all of us are going through. <laughs> I can't think of that one. <laughs> yeah, so ignore that one. Try to figure out uh, maybe the side hustle then. So, yeah, what's, some, what's something small that people can take an action on right after they listen or watch this that could help them uh, with their lives? Check your bank account. That's the one thing that I would recommend you do is check your bank account. And it's really scary when I, there was, year, there was yeah, years ago, I would just ignore my bank account because I knew that whatever I saw there was just not going to be enough. But you have to take ownership of what you have. So after this podcast, check your bank account. And it's going to be scary. And maybe you'll be happy or maybe you'll be excited. But once you're done, you'll realize that it's actually not that scary. And it's cool to know what you have in your account and then being able to figure out um, what you can do with that money or how much money you need to accomplish a goal. So for me, as someone who never checked her account for years, I check my account multiple times throughout the week just to make sure that I have a grasp as to what I have and what I own. And from there, I'm able to, going back to the budget or going back to investments or paying off debt, I'm able to adjust my budget. or I'm able to add more money towards my debt or towards investments, or I'm able to treat myself to something that may or may not have been expected or I'm not able to do, do any or, or I'm not able to do any of those because I don't have enough money in my account that I thought but it all comes back back around to check your account and just be accountable for what you have 
Mm-hmm. And do you have like an alarm, like an alarm clock to check each morning? Like how do you structure that into your daily habits? Um, daily, no, I mean, it's not, it's not that serious to where I need an alarm. It's kind of just like a intuition thing. Like, okay, well, I haven't checked my account in a couple of days. Maybe I should just go and make sure that everything's okay. And also that way you can also see if maybe, you know, someone took something out of your account that they weren't supposed to, or you got a fee that you weren't supposed to have. So it's just a, a really good habit to just get yourself into in general. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Asia. Where can people uh, find you online? Where, where should uh, we direct people to? Yes, um, you can join me on my YouTube page. It's Asia Dang, A-J-A-D-A-N-G. That's where most of my financial videos are. I'm also on Instagram, which is more lifestyle, so I'm not sure if that's what you want to see, uh, at Asia Dang. And then I also have a podcast with my best friend, Laura. It's called Heavy Topics with Lightweights where we drink, oh, cool. have fun, but talk about really important shit like police brutality and freezing your eggs and being in a polyamorous relationship. So it's also something if you want to kind of just be educated and meet people who you wouldn't normally meet in your circle it would be a fun place to go as well. Cool, cool. We'll definitely link all of that stuff. Awesome, Asia. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the show. Hope you really enjoyed our guest today and that you took one thing valuable from our conversation. If you haven't already, I would love it if you could leave a quick rating or review on whichever network you're listening to the show and share this episode with one friend if you found it valuable. And if it's something that a friend, a family member, or just someone that you care about could find a little bit of insight from what you learned today. All right. Ciao.